0: you are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the bible baptist church in marysville california we hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message or galatians chapter 3 galatians 3 we'll read verse 15 a couple weeks ago it was we were able to kind of look at the curse Of the law and or the the curse of and how Jesus took that curse from us so we'll kind of pick back up from there Uh, we'll get right into it we'll read these verses in just a little bit but have your have your uh, your Bibles ready we'll kind of go through them read a little bit and get ready for tonight's service thank you all for being here may we just ask God to truly help minister to us and and uh, deliver the Word of God to our hearts and minds and so We'll get started here. Normally, we would pre- or we would start reading, and we got several verses that we'll go through almost to the end of chapter three. So we'll just kind of face them as we go to them. So uh, keep your Bibles to Galatians three, and we'll be starting with verse number fifteen and going towards the end. But I don't know about you. I've not been through too many moves, but have you ever gone maybe cross country move or maybe even across town? Uh, You get everything boxed and ready to go and you take out the first items that are the most precious towards you. Maybe sometimes you go and you do a camping trip and you realize half the stuff we don't bring, we don't even need and we don't even use that. But regardless, you're in this move, you're in your house, everything's set up, and undoubtedly a month or two go by, maybe even a year, and you always have a box or two sitting in the garage that is still unpacked. It's still just wrapped and sitting there. It may have what room it goes on to it if you if you ride on it. You may not even know what's inside of that. And so tonight uh, we're going to try to get to those boxes. The boxes that aren't the first ones out of the gate. The ones that uh, we may have left in the garage or maybe even in a storage unit. And we're going to try to unpack some of these things that uh, not necessarily uncommon but Honestly, maybe not things that we would desire to unpack. So if you would go with me during this time, we're looking at understanding the law uh, and why it was there. Uh, This is remember, Paul's been going back with the church of Galatia. He withstood Peter to the face in chapter 2. He talked about no other gospels in chapter 1. He gave his personal account how he was an apostle. And he's been going back and forth. We looked just uh, last time about how that Christ took that curse he took our cursing, and we now have His blessingness, and so now we have heaven because He took our hell. Great way to put it is He took my sin, so I can have His salvation. He took my hell, so I can have His heaven. And just praise the Lord for what God has done. So we're going to look right into it, uh, and we're trying to understand this thing called the gospel. We're trying to uh, we're trying to package it to where it's it's clearly there, and we don't take. Uh, we, we, don't, we, we don't take it lightly. Uh, we'll kind of hit this at the end, uh, but I truly feel in my life how many times I have reduced my sin and magnified my good all the while really never magnifying God's goodness and His great gospel that He has given to me. And hopefully we'll get to that direction. So we're gonna try to understand why the law, why it's given and what it does, what it means uh, to us. And so uh, just, uh, this was mentioned last service or last time we preached through Galatians. When you understand the cross, uh, when one understands the cross, it is either the greatest thing in their life or it is offensive to them. And if it is neither, then you simply haven't understood the cross. And Paul uh, goes on in chapter 6 and talks about boasting only in the cross. And we challenge our hearts and minds to say, what do we truly boast in? Uh, I think when we start our Christian life out, for all means, by by me, it's all boasting in Jesus. For he has done everything, but we kind of go through life and some of that boasting may turn if you're not, if we don't, if we fall to that trap. It turns a little bit inwardly and we start to kind of realize how good we have done and how we have made it. So we're going to look into that. Let's look at verse number 15. Uh, The Bible says, brethren, I speak after the manner of men, though it be but a man's covenant, yet it be confirmed, no man disannuleth or addeth thereto. And that word, I speak after the manner of men, that's a phrase that Paul literally means to give a human example. And what's that human example he's going to give? Well, it's these covenants. Uh, maybe if you bought a home, I just asked Miss Galen before the service tonight. I said, how many documents do you have to sign to get a home? And she said it's over 265, plus or minus some if you're adding more th- different things to it. So we're not, we're not, um, we're, we're we're not we we know this thing called covenants. We understand how they work and how that once you sign it, it is binding. Uh, house market, who whatever you have to say on it right now, either it's a time to buy, it's a time to sell, it's a time to hold off and wait. However, it is in your opinion, it's a time to where someone says, oh, I don't want to get into it right now because once you sign that covenant, once you sign that that agreement. That's your house. You own it. And whether you're trying to get out from under it or what, now you are there. And so Paul's going to talk about this covenant uh, that God has made with Abraham. He even goes on, uh, I believe it's in... Uh, verse number 17, how it was given to Moses 430 years later. That was actually 430 years after he reinstated it with Jacob. So this is 600 years after the fact. Uh, but yeah, let's get right into that. So you ready to unpack some packages? We're going to get into it. We're going to look at how what the law means to us and how it has its negative effects but also how it has its glorious effects as well. And I hope it ministered minister to your heart and soul this evening. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much just for this time to preach your word. I pray that your spirit just would go through me, Lord. May each and every person uh, truly uh, feel the spirit's power, Lord, over their life. I pray for the listener. I pray for those that, uh, that are here that are listening to this, Lord, that you just would speak to their hearts. Would you help us to understand your word and give us a hunger for you, please? Uh, Lord, just illuminate and enlighten us in ways that I personally could never do. I pray that you just would work please in our midst. And Christ we pray. Amen. So that's the human example. That covenant is being there. Remember, it's a it's, uh, binding, even though uh, even though conditions may change, it is, it, it is still there. And so verse number 17, We're going to go right to it. Uh, And this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. And so here uh, he's mentioning this is the law that Moses had given on Mount Sinai. And if the law of Moses came as a way of salvation it would mean that God didn't necessarily mean to have a Savior. So remember, they're, going, they're trying to, to weed out some of this confusion that's happening in these churches about mainly their salvation. And so Paul is saying if the law was given for, as a means of salvation, uh, then that, that simply uh, there would be no need for Jesus. And we would say a big no to that. That is not true. Uh, we do need Jesus. He's our Savior. He's our Rescuer. He's our Redeemer. And so Paul says that in verse number 17, uh, that, we, uh, that we need to savor and would give out of His blessing uh, that, that Jesus, that God gives to us out of His blessing and not out of our performance. Uh, verse number 18, For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more a promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise, so if the inheritance, which is the promise that God gave to Abraham, which is the fact that he would make him a great nation, we're going to look at that covenant in just a little bit, but this is the promise that the Messiah would come from Abraham's line, that we would have Jesus. This is the inheritance that we get. And at the end of the chapter, he talks about being adopted as sons. Uh, so we'll get into that. But so if the inheritance comes by the law, then that means it no longer comes by promise. So the law and the promise They are mutually exclusive. And so let's go just to see a little bit of what that means in a human aspect or another example uh, that we can give to you. So if I give you something because of what I promise, I'm a parent, I have three kids. If I give my kids something because I promise them, it is not because of what they did, it's not because of their performance or their really good behavior. It's because I promised I was gonna do something, so then I did something. However, flip op- opposite, if I give them something because of what they have done, then it is not because of my promise. I think we all understand that sometimes, most of the times, we reward kids because of their good behavior. Very rarely do we ever, have. when they have a bad day, do we give them extra stuff for that. We're already not giving them extra stuff. Then when they're actually having uh, little little hellions running around, that's even more reason not to give them something. But here's a a flip story. When I was in junior high, just an example of uh, God's grace through my mom... Uh, I remember she had promised uh, a night to KFC. This was at my, my brother uh, when I was 10 years old. He had passed away, so my mom did a really good job uh, of just having some times to connect with me. My older brother was in college, so we went from a, a family of of three brothers in the house to just me within a year, and so it was different for me. I was 11, 12 years old, so my mom would make promises, or she, we would do little dates. And you might laugh at that or whatnot, but I enjoyed them. We would go to Krispy Kreme, and we would get that free donut off the conveyor belt. So this was a night that my mom promised that we'd go out and do something. We'd go to KFC, and even I think she even got me something from the store. But that day at school. I don't know what happened. I don't think I was truly a punk, just a little bit of a punk. I got a corrective uh, reprimand and I got a demerit sent home and I got in trouble at school. And I remember thinking to myself, great, of all the days to get in trouble, it's the day that I actually was supposed to get something tonight. So I remember battling and doubting, okay, do I do I tell my mom this or do I wait until afterwards and have her because they would have to sign it and bring it in the next day. I remember I told her after school. And to my shock and to my amazement, we still went and did those things. I told my mom afterwards, I said, this was one of the greatest days of my life. And I even got in trouble at school. And she said, I didn't do this because you got in trouble at school. I did it because we had already promised and arranged this night. And what a a true a beautiful picture that is of God's promises. Sometimes I am not that same parent my mom is. We promise our kids stuff and by any means, they they do one bad look and man, they they miss out on everything. But you know what, I need to be more of a, a godly example of a parent like my mom and like how God the Father is. But isn't that amazing? God doesn't withhold to us because of our performance or because of how we behave today. And what that does to us, we don't understand it, it creates so much of an insecurity. Never knowing or standing with God because of our mindset is so skewed because of our human fleshly parenting or how we think the world is, and that's just sadly how the world is run, you know, you do wrong. There's a consequence built in. But this is what Paul's trying to lay out and how well he's going to go into. So Paul is saying this. Either something comes by grace or something comes by works. Let's break it down even more. Either something comes because of the giver's promise being God or something comes because of the receiver's performance being us Christians. So we are either getting blessed because we are doing stuff Or we are either getting blessed because God is wonderful and He is good. So either the giver's promise or receiver's performance... One more illustration to bring it on home. The guy's rounding third. We're going to hit him home right now with this one. If my uncle, now I did have an uncle. He was a gambler and he never made money, unfortunately. But if he made this millions of money, or millions of money, if he had an inheritance and he was going to leave you $10 million and all I told you that for you to get that is you just need to meet my Uncle Glenn and get the $10 million from him. Well, the only way that you probably want to get that money is if you just laughed and walked away. But if you said, name the time and place and I'll be there, and you met him and he gave you that money, then obviously it would be yours. But let's let's flip that role. If I went to you and said my Uncle Glenn, he actually just passed away a couple years ago. Um, He had, uh, not MS, he had... uh, uh, Lou Gehrig's disease and he actually had it for several years and uh, Lord granted him a little bit extra life than when most people pass away from that earlier on. But in his Lou Gehrig's disorder if I went to you and say and said my uncle Glenn has an inheritance of 10 million dollars. All you need to do is just take care of him in his aging condition. And we would know what that means. Provide care for him as he needs assistance in his Uh, Last few days on earth whether that be another year or five years. Well, then we understand those two things one is simply by a promise you meet him He gives you the money the other one is by a performance you do this role and you will get that inheritance so a gift promise needs only to be believed while that law wage must be obeyed to be uh, must be obeyed to receive it. So now this is going to go back to Genesis if you want to go to Genesis chapter 15. I know I've heard this earlier on. I never really studied it and connected the dots, so it was really neat uh, looking over this last couple of days and seeing God make that covenant with Abraham. This is Genesis 15. We're looking at verse 8, 9, 12 and 17. Uh, but verse number eight, uh, Abraham tells uh, God. He says, "How can I know that I will inherit the bl- and inherit it And that's the blessing that God says, "I'm going to make of thee a great nation." Remember Abraham's older, he's not understanding everything. So God or Abrahams wanting to know to, to God, "How are you going to do this? And God tells him something in our day would be a little bit weird, but Abraham it doesn't even say that he went to go, ask what would these do, he knew exactly what that meant. Uh, God asked him to get a heifer, a cow, a goat, a ram, a dove, and a pigeon, and, uh, and Abraham knew what to do. He actually, this really sounds, maybe you know this and it doesn't sound peculiar to you, but for me it just sounds odd, but he got these animals and he cuts them in half and from where the body of the animals cut in half, it's called a blood path. So half the cow over here and the other half, that's where we first get the half the cows, quarter of the cow. No, that's not where we get that at all. Uh, but we, it would be nice to have half a cow in our freezer right now. But he, Abraham separated uh, half the cow on this side. And this is how they would make covenants back in, the, back in, uh, in ancient uh, times. Uh, actually, some countries even still do this uh, to this day. And there's a picture if you want to kind of show that. Uh, and this is actually where we get the term cutting a deal. So whenever you go to someone and you say, hey, Uh, cut me a deal Uh, this is what they would do and this we're gonna look back into it verse number 17 the smoke uh, the burning pot and the light is gonna be God in both cases. So what would happen a lot of times with the marriage covenant, uh, the, the, the greater party, uh, the, the one giving the daughter would be considered the greater party and the one receiving the daughter would be the lesser party. They would walk through on two different halves. Remember all the animals are cut in half. Their blood is laid out, a beautiful picture with their sandals to walk on through and then dirty up that precious tent when they went back home. Uh, they would walk through that, that blood path the greater party coming first, the lesser party meeting them in the middle, and you can show that picture just a little bit, meeting them in the middle, and what would happen is they would say, so happened to us if we don't keep this agreement as what happened to these animals. So they would literally have their blood spilled if they broke that agreement, if the wife left on this arranged marriage, or if someone didn't keep their end of the deal. They would look at these bloody carcasses of animals and they would say, this is what would happen to you if you break your side of the covenant. But what's amazing with this, verse number 12, Abraham never walks through. God caused a deep sleep to fall onto Abraham and he falls asleep. So remember, two parties would have to walk through or in order for the covenant to be established. But God, this is once again, this is where it gives you the, the chills and the shivers and the goosebumps down your spine because God worked on both sides of that covenant. He did his part of the covenant. And if we failed, he even did our part of that covenant. What does that mean? Well, that's the sacrifice of Jesus because our part of the covenant was to live a holy, perfect life. But we fall short from the very beginning. And what happened? God sent his son To be that blood sacrifice because we fell short on our end of the agreement and he came after us. So, verse number 12, God passed us through the halves as a smoking furnace and the other way was as a burning lamp. Uh, We won't get into too much detail, but smoke Always a presence of God. Remember when uh, they, God met with Moses and the children of Israel on Mount Sinai, uh, where they start saying to God, "We will, we will follow." And and their people were terrified. Uh, it was they were awestruck. Remember God just passed through the side of Moses. Just let him see a little bit of the glory and his face shone around. If he had saw full glory, he would have died. Uh, the the smoke. Uh, furnace, uh, it, it covered the mount, and the people just were, they'd never seen anything like this. This is the presence of God touching down on, on, on earth, and they were terrified. So smoke, it came as a, a covering for Mount Sinai. Uh, smoke would fill the tabernacle and the temple, and that was a sign when God was in there. His smoke would fill in these times where God was there. Uh, the prophets Joel and uh, Peter, they talk about God in billows of smoke and then Revelation, when God's presence is mentioned in smoke. And then the next one is fire. That's the uh, Moses being met with God by a burning bush. Uh, Elijah being taken up by a chariot of fire, a pillar of fire to guide his people. The glory of the Lord is a consuming fire. Uh, at Pentecost, they had cloven tongues like as of fire. So these are two symbols of God: uh, fire, and this is uh, fire, uh, fire and smoke. Uh, representations of God himself passing through this covenant, this blood path, while Abraham never did, while he felt, while he was in a deep sleep. So the promise between God and Abram in no way relied on Abraham. It only relied on God, and he died before he broke his promise. Uh, but God also passed through on that on behalf of man, and he did die. And this is where Galatians 3.16 is, if you're still there. And Abraham and his seed were the promises made he saith not in two seeds as of many but as of one into thy seed which is Christ and here we have Christ the seed of Abraham being our agreement for us in this covenant he went all the way uh, to to die being offered to bless the entire world so God guarantees the promise and that the law cannot break that promise. Remember, these people are confused. They're wanting the, the extra law to be added on on top of uh, salvation. And Paul is telling them that's not needed. You can't add the law in order to keep that promise. Uh, but what does that do and mean for, one, the church of Galatia, who weren't Hebrews, who weren't Israelites. Uh, but more importantly, what does that mean for us today as we live in the year 2022? So Paul, like we just said, he's, miscor- he's correcting some misreadings uh, that God promised and blessed his people. But the blessing was not by being achieved or by keeping the law. And so in verse number three uh, of Galatians chapter three, he's talking. He calls them fools and he tells them, just like you begun in the spirit, you cannot. I'm sorry, just like you begun your, your, your faith, your Christian, your salvation began in the spirit. It doesn't now continue in the flesh, or by human effort, or by your own performance, uh, he's saying, "Who bewitched you? What your your fools falling after this?" Uh, God promise God's promise offered by grace continues to be made on the same basis, or it stops being a promise, and that is how we came to salvation. And so, uh, continuing here now, we're going to look at verse number nineteen. This is uh, really the bulk of the message. You're listening, great. This is why. The law. Why is it here? And let's look in just a little bit here. Wherefore, then serveth the law. It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. And this is why the law was added. It was added up because of our transgressions until Christ came. So the law tells us about sin not about our salvation. It shows us our main problem. Uh, The main purpose of the law is to show us our main problem. And that, of course, is our sin. Uh, We are law breakers, not law keepers. And we cannot be the solution uh, to that bigger and better life. It only comes through Christ. You can't do anything to better your life. It's only a gift. It's only through Jesus Christ. And what he has done, remember, he took our curse so we can have his blessing. And so uh, I heard, I read this, this is from a 19th century uh, theologian, Andrew Jukes. Satan wants you to prove yourself holy by the law, which God gave us to prove us unholy. And sometimes we can live by the law to say, I'm doing all this, that's the classic example of the parable of the Pharisee and the publican. Our example, our response is to smite our chest and fall behind, uh, fall, fall beyond an almighty God and just say, look at us, I am a sinner. And not to say, look at how good of things I have done. And you know that today. Uh, but Romans 3.20 says, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Verse 21, we're going to look at verse B here. Uh, is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given, which could have been given life, verily righteousness should have given by the law. So if there a law could have given life, it could, if a if law could have imparted that life that Jesus could, well then what good would be the promise? And that's what Paul's wrapping himself around. This is most likely kind of a, an autobiography of his own life. Uh, Romans chapter 7, verse 7 through 13. We won't go there. You can look at those verses. Uh, uh, we won't go there right now. But that is Paul realizing that because of the law he coveted, because of the law He did sin. So it's almost a two-part. You know, when you give a rule out to your kids, well, then that's when they break it. And it's kind of amazing when the law was given, that's when we were quick to break it. If you had to take the law, the the commandments of of Moses, the Ten Commandments uh, that God gave, and you would say if there was ever a person, if there was ever a people group in all of humanity, in all of history that could keep that, well, it would have to be the Israelites. We see just shortly after God gave the commandments that they break the first commandment almost instantly, and then they just totally messed up all the other commandments. They made that that false god, and they just their life was through and through. So if they, and even Paul says that in verse number uh, chapter number six of Galatians, if we being Jews cannot keep the law, how then can they Gentiles keep the law? So here here's Paul m- uh, mentioning that. And uh, just, the, just to help us to understand that we are completely in need of rescue. We're not just slightly messed up. We are entirely cannot do this on our own. We cannot do anything to inherit, to, to gain, to reach God's glory. And we, need, we needed someone to come in our behalf. And that was Jesus. That was who God uh, has planned. And that was the plan from the beginning. Verse number 22. uh, But the scripture hath concluded all under sin that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. That word concluded, it's actually going to be mentioned again in verse number 23. Just a different English word there. But that word concluded means imprisoned. So scripture, we don't really think about this when we think about scripture But scripture imprisoned us all under sin so that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. So once again, realizing that we are all prisoners, we are all in need of our chains being broken. And Paul gives two metaphors to this. He's going to expound on these next two verses. And then you guys are listening great. We're unpacking those boxes and we're going through. We can finally sit down and have iced tea, and sit on the sofa in just a little bit. The work is done. Two metaphors that Paul gives in verse number 23. Uh, He says, but before faith came and were kept under the law, shut up, and that word shut up is that same word in the Greek that is concluded in the English in the verse before, unto faith which should afterwards be revealed. So before faith came, we were kept. That word kept is is a a Greek word, it's a military uh, word that means military guard, uh, almost even as much as a garrison. So we are kept under guard. Are you getting the, the picture here as far as trying to have a free, liberating life? Well, here's what's happening. We are now being squashed, cringed sh- crinched, uh, behind bars. We are military guarded under the law. Shut up. And that means to be in prison. We are held prisoners unto the faith which should afterwards be revealed. And I I looked through it, but I was amazed. As part of the study, I saw uh, Spurgeon preach the message in 1887 on this text, and he called it under arrest. I read through it. It was a fascinating read. uh, But just the the fact that uh, we... Uh, before the promise, we were under arrest here from the law. In verse number 24, wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. Uh, verse 24, that word schoolmaster, uh, it's, it's a, the word that means tutor, um, but even tutor in our day and age uh, we don't fully grasp it how the, the Greco-Roman, the empire would have. Uh, the, 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 the Greek word here is, let me look at the spelling. It is pie, pie, dog, goat, oh man, pie, Piedagogo? No, it is Piedagojo. There it is. That's the word up there. But that word literally means, it means uh, uh, that schoolmaster, it means tutor, it means a a superintendent. And what they would do, this is actually a slave uh, from age 2 of 18, not the slave, but the father whose son... Uh, would be in school, that slave was their tutor, he was their schoolmaster, and you might have maybe some of you that went to uh, uh, an older older school that would have corrected your hand, uh, very much still the same in this day and age or, or in that day and age, uh, they would have whipped the child if they didn't understand the concept. I don't know if any of your kids don't understand concepts, we have one, And it's not that they don't understand, they just don't want to understand. I need some of these schoolmasters to come back in time and I'll just go to work and get them into shape. But this is what Paul's trying to say. Uh, From that age of a child, from 2 to 18, uh, the the law was a schoolmaster, it was their tutor. It was that slave whose whole job was to get them ready, to get them uh, fed, to walk them to school, to bring them back from school, to go over their homework. It was to be 24-7 in that learning environment. And why was it to be in that learning environment? Because adult life was coming. We teach our kids, we parent them to get them ready. We raise them to release them, right? We get them ready for adulthood. Not so one day when they become adults that they just take everything that we raised them and taught them and throw it away and live a completely different life. No, we raise them under this tutelage, under the care of parenting so that one day we don't, they won't be coerced and reprimanded as a 32-year-old, although my mom does that occasionally to me uh, on, on time and time again. Uh, but she doesn't necessarily slap me anymore. She just chews me out over the phone. But what happens is, oh, as an adult, we're not, I'm not forced to obey these, these rules that I grew up in. Now it becomes my background. Now it becomes a part of me. I do that because I don't want to veer off. I don't need that schoolmaster to strict me into it, Now because I have grown into it, I have now adapted this. Now here's where where that law truly starts opening up. And now it becomes liberating. Now it becomes freeing. And this is truly when you could have the greatest joys of your Christian life. Because to obey the law with with no joy there, it can really bring forth of resentment. It can bring forth a hatred. And we see that. How do we see that? We see that through people that don't stick in church. They do that simply because something was their schoolmaster and they couldn't handle it anymore and they walk away. So let's get back into it. Uh, uh, verse 24, the, the, uh, that disciplinarian it was employed by the father. So both the guard in verse number 20, 23 and the tutor, they remove freedom and the relationship with the law is based on a rewards and punishment. But then shortly thereafter, we're going to see how that freedom becomes truly, or that that restriction becomes truly freeing. And the best way to say this is through an illustration of a fish. Well, we all have fishes maybe in our lifetime, uh, but a fish absorbs oxygen from water and not air. We know that, right? Uh, It's only free if it is restricted to water. If a fish is freed from the river and put on the grass to explore its freedom and move, soon its life will be destroyed. So real freedom isn't restrictionless, it's finding the right ones. Let's break that down even more. My dad's 68 years old, he is letting go of some lesser freedoms, Dr. Pepper for five times a day, and he is gonna open up some greater freedoms, a healthier life. Now at 68 years old, he's already done all the damage he can to his body, but still, what is that example of? It is letting go of some lesser freedoms so we can have the right freedoms in our life. Because life truly is not a restrictionless less uh, entity that we walk freely in. You know, the kid that says, when I turn 18, I'm out and I don't want none of this. What often happens is that, that classic story of that, that, that kid coming back to you and saying, I was so wrong. You know, maybe the day they have a kid or something like that. So uh, I'll go into this one thing. Uh, we're, we're listening real good here. This is a, a quote here by John Stott. A uh, Half of it is on the board. The first half is not. We must never bypass the law and come straight to the gospel. To do so is to contradict the plan of God in biblical history. No man has ever appreciated the gospel until the law has first revealed him to himself. It is only against the inky blackness of the night sky that the stars begin to appear. And it is only against the dark background of sin and judgment that the gospel shines forth. And verse number 25, to kind of close it in here. So the law locked us up, verse 23 and 24, schoolmaster. But until that faith was revealed, but after the faith has come, we are no longer ...under a schoolmaster. So we need to go beyond our own efforts uh, uh, to gain God's approval by our behavior. And when we see this and accept the Savior, we have learned the lesson that the schoolmaster has tried to teach us. And we finally grasp that after the fact that we are gone from that law. So uh, Paul says, are we done with the law? Well, emphatically, no. God forbid. Uh, Just like we talked about with the parenting... You don't raise them and hope that they just take everything that you taught them and walk a different direction. You hope that they stay in that realm and now live freely without the forcement of a parent to overgovern their life. And that's the same way how that schoolmaster is, is done. So same with us after the law. It no longer forces obedience through fear or through uh, compelment. Uh, we grasp salvation by promise And our hearts are filled with gratitude and a desire to please and be like the Savior. And we can only do this, here it is, through the law. That is how we please the Lord. That is how we uh, become more like the Savior. So grateful joy is far better motivation and obedience than a fearful compliance. And so when we truly see the law, when we truly see God's grace and His promise for how God gave it out to us, Now we can have more of a greater joy to serve God and to live for God rather than that strict schoolmaster just cramming it down our heads and whipping us when we don't comply. And so obviously there's this whole long to it. I'm enjoying the study of Galatians. We'll even go more and Paul even talks about that. It's not just only one way. He breaks it all down. But what we see here is law and grace. They work together together. For salvation. So until we see how helpless and extremely sinful we are, uh, we will not understand the message of salvation and how liberating it is. Until we know how big our debt is, we cannot have any idea of how great Christ's payment was for us. When we think we are not all that bad, grace will never change us and this is not just the need for salvation, this is even after salvation. Uh, We know the verse, woe to them that call good evil and evil good. We like to say that to our politicians, don't we? We like to say that with the business down the street who just ripped us off or all these different rules that are being made. But before we criticize someone else for calling their bad good or their good evil, let's look at our own life and you say, well what have I ever called evil that was good? What about our own sin? What about our own wrongdoings? We sometimes like to just think of those as not that bad. We reduce our own sin and magnify our own goodness so much to where we call it our evil good. We call it our sin, it's not that bad. And when we do this, we cheapen the gospel, we cheapen the liberating power that Christ has for you and me because we aren't that bad but it's only when we see the law and the grace working together that we realize, I love the quote right here, where is it, Tim Keller? The gospel says that you are more sinful and flawed than you ever dared believe, but more accepted and loved than you ever dared hope. We are are a wretch. We are on a a pathway to destruction. We are the the biggest, the nastiest cancer that is spreading in a cosmic world of, 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 of the whole cosmos. We are that compelled, we are that embodied or capitulated in our sin, that is us. And yet Christ, who loved us so much, obliterated all that for us on the cross to free us. So now we can have a grateful joy, we can have a motivation that actually lets us enjoy life on earth and not just wait for this life that God's promised us in heaven. We can have a little bit of heaven on earth, We'll close just with these comparisons to the law. The law for man was to learn the knowledge of sin. The law was to reveal the holiness of God. The law foreshadowed the coming Messiah. The law is our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. And the law allows us to love Jesus and enables us to show our love in grateful obedience. Oh, for grace to love you more. We know we love God, but we fall short on our love for Him so much. And we need that grace to love Him more and more. And really, this was the, this was the area of the garage that I really didn't want to unpack. I was actually looking forward to getting to uh, the letters of adoption. I studied probably more of that than I did for... ...than for this one, but it just was neat. It's exciting going through uh, God's word together, and I thank you for giving me these opportunities. Uh, but as I can close and just pick your interest in a little bit here, verse number 26. I'm sorry, yeah, 26. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. He's getting ready to unwrap this term called adoption. Uh, but before we do... Uh, We live in a very, what is it, PC, politically, uh, no, uh, you know what that means, Uh, just, it's not political, politically correct to say something, Uh, but here the word children of God is in the masculine form, so it might as well say we are the sons of God. And you might say, for those ladies, you would say, it's always kind of geared that way. But before we try to make the Bible uh, more like, okay, well, God means sons and daughters. Remember this time, this, this historical background, the context. This was already done. It's not like it's, it's today's life and world. But the ladies were not inheritors of, of anything. They just were pretty much... A signed agreement that you would now connect our families together or this family together. So when, when, uh, when Jesus, when God, when Paul is saying the fact that, and he's going to go on to say this in verse number twenty-eight, the fact that male and female are going to be children of God, more so they're going to be son sons of God. He is now saying that there is no person. God has respect for everybody, man. And woman now everyone is becoming a son of God so before we say well let's just say a daughter of God it loses that inheritance value and you say well that only happens to ladies no it doesn't I'm actually called the bride of Christ all the men are and we don't have any quarrels with that one because we understand the beautiful picture that that is so understanding the adoption ladies and men God calls us the sons of God that is the inheritance of all what God has it's offered to you and so today, if you don't have that inheritance, it can be yours. I love what Warren Worsby said. Uh, he gave a quote, an illustration. It was to uh, a group of hungry, money-seeking relatives. And the, dad, the guy that passed away said, I, John Jones, with a clear and conscious mind, have given or have, lit, have spent all my inheritance. There is nothing left And that is how we are supposed to live our Christian life. Now, that's not to be stingy, but the fact that God has given all of us His inheritance. We can live in it today. We can bask in its richness. We can truly have a changed life with gratefulness and true joy because we are adopted. We are the sons of God. And God has given you that through Jesus. So the law, understanding the law, and the only way to understand that law is when you understand that we are that sinner in need of a savior. And Jesus has came. He has given us his salvation. And now our lives are forever changed. And now I can better our standing with God because I have his son in my life. And I'm not trying to work my performance to God. So if you're here today and you don't know if you have that standing with God, well, we are all started. We are all born with that damnation, with that, with that damnable spirit that leads us to hell. The only way to get that spirit is through God, through Jesus. He quickens us, makes us alive, and that is how we become a child of God. We can try all we want to, but it's going to give us fear, anxiety, insecurity, and it's going to make us fall short of that glory of God. But the law is there to show to us that we cannot get to heaven. So if you're here today, don't know if you're on your way to heaven, what greater night it is to receive Jesus in your heart to, so that you can become a son of God. Uh, John one twelve says, but as many as believed him, to them gave he power to become the uh, child of God. But we first have to believe in Jesus. Do you believe him today? For those that are saved, did you call upon him to start your life in salvation? Well, now let's with that same faith, call upon him to continue our life and sanctification. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much just for uh, this night, Lord. I don't know where everyone is here with their salvation, but if there's one listening that doesn't know for sure uh, heaven to be their home, Lord, if they're living a life that is held in prison and in bondage and in, in, in shackles, Lord, the only way out of that type of life is through the freeing power of Jesus. And I pray that the Spirit of God will work mightily, uh, that you would save those that need to be saved. Uh, Lord, those in here are listening online, that you would work in our hearts and lives, Lord. And for those that do know and call you Father, Lord, Abba, Father, as uh, later on in Galatians calls it, Lord, for those that are living as a child of God, I pray that you would truly help them Uh, to continue to walk in that freedom, Lord, uh, of of Jesus, Lord, to understand that the law was there to bring us closer to Christ. And may we not look to our holiness by that, but may we look to our holiness by you, Lord. I pray that you would change our hearts and lives, please. I pray that you would just would uh, quicken us, Lord, that uh, those that do not know for sure heaven to be their home, I pray that you would work at this time, and then now what we'll do, we'll just have a short invitation, we'll call it. If you don't know heaven to be your home, uh, you can pray right there in your seat. But if you'd like someone to pray with you and, and show you, it's very simple. The, fe- the first thing that you have to realize is that we're all sinners. And that sin, of course, is what we cannot escape. It takes us to that place called hell. And the only way out of it is through Jesus Christ. So if you don't know if you're on your way to heaven... I would just beg you, implore you to trust Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc4me.org. May God bless you.